Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Out of the Blue on 3CI 55am. It is the 22nd of March. Um, the weather is definitely a cold front now, and um, everyone seems to be indoors for probably multiple reasons. Um, we also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land 3CR is broadcasting from and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge this land was never ceded. To help stop the spread of viruses like flu and coronavirus, good hygiene is essential. That starts with washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds whenever you cough, sneeze or blow your nose. Prepare food or eat. Care for someone sick, touch your face, or use the toilet. Together, we can help stop the spread and stay healthy. Visit health.gov.au to learn more. Authorised by the Australian Government, Canberra. A 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You are tuned to 855 AM 3CR Community Radio, and you're listening to Out of the Blue. I'm Donna, and in the studio on the panel today is Matt. Morning, Matt. Morning, Donna. And on the phone, we are joined by Shannon Hurley from the Victorian National Parks Association, or the VNPA. Um, welcome to the show, Shannon. Hi, Ooh. Donna and Matt. Thanks for having me. Hi, thank you. Good to be here with you today. Um, so today we're going to be chatting a little bit about the marine and coastal policy that's just been released in March. Um, but for, before we get into that, Shannon, I was just wondering if you could um, just briefly tell us about the Victorian National Parks Association and um, I guess your involvement in the development of this policy. 
Sure thing. So uh, the Victorian National Parks Association, or the VNPA, because um, that's often quite a ma mouthful, um, really um, works across the state in Victoria, and we like our aims are really just to protect nature. And so that takes place in many forms, whether it's um, sort of in advocacy and trying to get good policy and you know biodiversity protection from um, you know both at the government level, um, and also like to really inspire community action as well. Um, and then it also takes place in citizen science, so getting people out and about, whether it's in the forest or in our marine sanctuaries, counting fish. Um, and we also have a very large bushwalking program as well. And so we work at those different levels. And getting back to my role in the policy, um, which is in the campaigns and advocacy space, um, so I deal with um, a lot of the marine and coastal issues that the VMPA sort of works on doing. So, you know, anything from actually trying to get as much government investment in our marine and coast as possible because we realise how important they are for, you know, for all of us and, um, and really trying to drive community to, to take action and actually you know, caring for it and, and doing what we can on the ground to protect it as well. And so where the policy comes in is I know it's not as uh, exciting as you know, getting out for a snorkel or a, a walk on the beach, uh, but it is really, really important to have a, a stake and a say in government policies because they can actually translate to what actually ends up happening down on the ground, you know, whether it's, you know, this development um, is allowed to be built here or this activity can be undertaken here or whatever the thing is. And so my involvement is to try and shape that policy to look um, as best as it can to have many, um, you know, VNPA really works to ensure that um, our biodiversity is protected. And so we want to make sure that there's as strong policies and as strong as can be that's really recognising the intrinsic values of what our marine and coasts are. So it's not always about, you know, our marine and coastal environments are there just to, you know, deliver things for us or for our benefit, but actually they need to be recognised for the benefit that they themselves have as well. And so we just tried to make sure that in all sorts of government policy and other um, government processes that this is recognised, um, as well as, you know, obviously making sure that everyone can go out and actually enjoy nature, but making sure that it's in a way that's respectful. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's such a huge undertaking to develop policy. Um, I've worked in that space myself before and there are so many views, so many stakeholders, so many uses, I guess, for a, a particular area or a park or in this case, um, what's referred to as the Blue Commons, um, which I read also that uh, I'm not sure if this was something you provided us or if it was something um, that our lovely researcher Matt did, <laughs> but it's our oceans, our blue commons are the largest publicly owned space in Victoria, which is quite significant when you think about it, that there's more, um, like we have, yeah, just so much coast and water and whatnot that's available to so many people. So there's obviously a lot of different groups and whatnot that whose views and whatnot had to be taken into consideration here. Exactly. And there's actually, so on that, like it's 10,000 square kilometres of what we own in Victoria. And I know that um, a lot of that might not get used by a lot of us or enjoyed by many of us, but uh, it's such a big space. And, and that's why, you know, VMPA, we're really, um, I guess, passionate about advocating for our marine coasts as well, because, you know, often they sort of 
do get forgotten a little bit because, you know, they, they might not be a forest that's right on our doorstep, but they are still really important and, and you know, critical uh, to really give attention to. And, and that's what we're trying to do is, um, is really focus attention on, on that aspect as well of, of nature. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one thing I'm, I'm curious about, because you obviously have been in the consultation space throughout the development of this for months, I would say. Um, I'm just wondering if you know or if you can speak to um, how our Indigenous communities um, around the coast and in Victoria were consulted, I guess, and, and how their views and land use and history has been represented in the new policy? Yeah, so that's a really good question, Donna. Thanks for asking that. So uh, so I was involved in... So over the last year, so I should say that the policy was released two weeks ago, roughly. Sure. And, um, and so that's really been, uh, I guess, the past 12 months, or all of sort of 2019, which is involved. So I was a part of the workholder state, uh, sorry, working stakeholder group. And really that just means like there's, you know, um, some non-government organisations, but also like government, you know, from different sectors. So, you know, whether it was tourism or whether it was like local councils or, you know, whether it was, um, you know, from uh, fisheries or ports or whatever. And so we all come together and actually you know really helped to shape what the policy ended up looking like and so uh, there's a, and there's another um, important process that was taking place at the very same time so the policy really includes what we call the development which is actually a first in Victoria so it's really important to recognize that uh, of a marine spatial plan oh sorry a marine spatial planning framework and essentially for those listeners who are thinking what is that <laughs> what does that mean it's, it's really a, essentially a, a process which is um, it's part of the policy and it's actually happened in places like Europe and, and, and Queensland on the Great Barrier Reef. But it's actually a way of bringing together all different stakeholder groups to actually work together collaboratively to actually shape what happens in the marine environment. And so I know I'm, I am getting to your question. It's just really important to have this background. The context, yeah. Because the context, exactly right. And so... Um, what it does is because at the moment a lot of decisions are made um, in their sector silos. So, for example, like fisheries or um, ports or, or, or tourism. And so decisions are made separately. And so this process is really designed around bringing all the groups together to actually work on. And it could be triggered by, you know, maybe some new project or some really big threat that's, that's, um, that's happening or that's about to happen. And so uh, through the engagement of developing the marine spatial planning framework, which is a, a huge part of the policy, um, there was, you know, a lot of uh, Indigenous groups were to come along to that and actually input. And we actually, you know, heard directly um, from um, a couple of them throughout the process and to, it was really fascinating to hear their views and, you know, this of you know this meaning of sea country and sort of what it means to them too. And so um, they were, you know, definitely brought in throughout the process. Um, but that's all, I guess that's all I can really speak to because I wasn't really involved in actually, you know, sort of bringing them in myself because I wasn't, you know, um, part of the government team that was sort of doing that. But um, that was a, a really valuable process and I just wanted to reiterate the importance of bringing you know, Indigenous communities into this process. And I, I really hope that, you know, this policy is one thing now that it's been developed, but really um, what's going to be <laughs> the kind of um, telltale sign is actually how the policy is used and implemented. And, and, and really, I really hope to see that, 
you know, we, we work really strongly with our Indigenous communities and that their voice is, is forefront, you know, and it's, it is clear, like, from the policy, there is specific chapters on around, you know, um, Indigenous um, roles in sort of managing these areas. And so I, I really hope that that is something that's continued very, very strongly throughout the next couple of years and, and as long as this policy and, and future processes are actually undertaken. Yeah, here, here. Um, and that's, yeah, great to hear that um, our Indigenous um, brothers and sisters were um, consulted throughout this process. Um, and great idea. Maybe we can get someone on for a future interview and hear from their perspective yeah, about about how, you know, how that felt to be engaged at on this on this process. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to add, sorry, just on that too. Yeah, sure. Uh, guys, is that, look, I don't know, like, um, you know, I guess, you know, all of the communities obviously were consulted on this. So I don't know exactly what that actually looked like, but I guess I'm just hoping that they can, there's obviously some involvement going forward in that. Cool. Thank you. Good one. Um, and I guess there was a previous policy and now there's a new policy. Can you shed some light on any of the key things, I guess, that have changed? Like, are there any kind of landmark decisions or inclusions that are quite significant or the other way? Have there, has anything that you've noticed been excluded that is of significance? Yeah, so there's uh, So I should just mention that this policy was really... So there was a previous, what we called the Victorian Coastal Strategy, which, you know, was previous iterations of this policy, which is, was really used as a backbone for the development of this policy. But I think it was really recognised that that um, strategy itself, um, you know, actually was still missing a lot because obviously, you know, as we move on, we see a lot of new emergent changes and things maybe that we need to account for. And so there is um, some really strong aspects on um, dealing with climate um, impacts too, like in this policy, which is really, really great to see. Um, and I think that's obviously going to be a, a pivotal thing that we need to be looking at as we see the, the effects of, of, of our changing climate. So that's going to be really important to know, OK, how are we going to deal, you know, when we're dealing with sea level rise or more erosion and, and when we've got buildings and structures that are currently on, you know, low-lying areas, how um, how is that going to, I guess, change going forward? And so that, you know, there is some really, really great policies in there which have also been kept, which is things like... Um, you know, the need for buildings and structures on marine and coastal crown land to actually like, have a need to be on the coast. And so mm. like that, what that's saying is that you can't just go and build like a volleyball court, you know, right, right on the beach. or where, So that's like a really strong policy, which was in the previous ones too. Uh, and there's some really great... Actually, another great thing which is in there, which I, I believe had actually been lost in the last version, was the banning of um, canal estates. Uh, so that's oh. like a really good thing because they can just really change, mm. you know, that sort of whole sort of structure when you go and build man-made, you know, water yeah. systems and things like that. I guess an example um, of that would be like Patterson Lakes in exactly. southeast. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. or Martha's Cove in Dramana. People oh, might yeah. sort of know that one as well. So, so that's a really good thing. And there's another uh, strong strength of the policy, which is that it actually aligns with international goals too with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which is strong to see. And I think that, you know, as we're sort of reaching this point where we're seeing more and more impacts to the coast, it's really important to align to those international goals too. 
Uh, and we're, we've also seen um, much stronger um, wording around the need to really ensure that we improve um, and manage and enhance our marine national parks and sanctuaries. So that has, has, has been improved from the last one, which is really great to see because, you know, I think many of us know that one of the best ways to protect biodiversity is actually, you know, through having areas that we're actually um, disturbing uh, um, as least as possible and I actually know take areas so that we can really, they can actually really focus on, on protecting biodiversity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, just um, for reference, what are some of our marine national parks in Victoria? Yeah, so uh, so we've got 24 marine national parks and sanctuaries. So uh, for those maybe around Melbourne, there's some really well-known ones such as Ricketts Point Marine Sanctuary, which is near Beaumaris there um, as, as one there. And I know that there's some really active... Um, marine care groups that actually work and doing regular snorkels there and, and getting people out and about and, and educating about what's actually down there. You know, there's amazing diversity of marine algae and, um, and, and you know, Port Jackson sharks and things like that that, that live there. Don't worry, they're the, they're the <laughs> harmless sharks. <laughs> um, and And so other ones in the bay, like Port Phillip Heads Marine Sanctuary, is just a stunning one. It's actually made up of six different areas, but it's a really popular place to dive. There's a, a spot called Lonsdale Wall and even Pope's Eye Marine Sanctuary, which are part of that larger marine national park, which is just teeming with amazing fish and um, and sponge life and and things like that. And then, you know, further on down the coast, maybe down in Warrnambool, uh, we've got the Merai Marine Sanctuary where, you know, you have really... Um, huge populations of, of lobsters and actually just on that there's a, some studies that Park Victoria have done um, which have actually shown that the populations of uh, southern rock lobsters in the sanctuary are way higher than just outside the sanctuary too and so I think that just gives them some evidence of how these areas are really critical to protecting the marine life which is down there. Great. So I guess when all of this COVID-19 craziness dies down there's a whole bunch of great places that we can get out and see um around the bay and further out as well across the state yeah definitely and and mm-hmm. just on that too i would even say like i mean you know, taking all the precautions that everyone needs to as well but there's still nothing stopping us you know even if you're um you know you meet someone <laughs> you get driving two separate cars or something and go to your local marine sanctuary and get out there and i think that i still don't think that's out of the question and and I think that's an important part to, you know, keep our sanity too, is to get out there in the oceans as yeah. well, you know, as well as abiding by all the, the, the rules and stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Stay connected to each other and to our environment, but maybe, yeah, not physically <laughs> <laughs> and don't share a snorkel with anyone. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. if anyone would like more information on either the VNPA or to access the um, policy, um, the VNPA's website is vnpa.org.au um, and that'll take you to um, the place where Shannon works and all the amazing um, things that the organisation do. And if you would like to see a reader copy, download a copy of the new um, Marine and Coastal Policy, you can do so at marineandcoasts.vic.gov.au and we'll put um, links to both of those websites, um, documents up on our Out of the Blue Facebook page. Um, Shannon, thank you so much for joining us on Out of the Blue this morning. It's been really great to chat to you about um, the policy and 
BMPA's work and your incredible efforts in, um, I guess, representing the views of our environment and lots of Victorians as well. Thanks, Matt and Donna, for having me and thanks, everyone, for listening. Cool. Thank you. We are going to go to a song now um, and I think Matt's lined up Into My Arms by Nick Cave. Candles burning 
Make a journey bright and pure That you'll keep returning Always and evermore Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my arms Oh Lord Into my Paul Kelly here. Hi, this is Shane Howard here, asking you to support 3CR. Independent radio station, encouraging independent music and independent thought. They've been supporting musicians for more than 30 years, so let's support them. Welcome back. You are tuned to 855 AM 3CR Community Radio, and you're listening to Out of the Blue. Um, You just heard an interview with um, Shannon Hurley from the Victorian National Parks Association. Um, And if you didn't, that's okay. We podcast our show so you can listen to it um, online whenever you like. Um, Our last little segment today is um, a few words about the Abyss Project, which uh, Matt came across during the week. Can you tell us? Yeah. Thanks, Donna. So um, I came across the Abyss Project and it's a little group out of Sydney and um, it kind of applies for all the coastal regions, especially after we've had the fires. So um, all the bushfires, yeah, they impacted the bush, but all the ash and all the water actually gets into the marine environment too. And the Abyss Project are out um, the last few weeks videoing and documenting. And what they've found actually is that a lot of coastal zones, especially where rivers feed into bays and um, things like that, are actually near dead between zero and five metres. It's pretty scary. Some of the footage... Um, you can check it out on the Abyss Project's Facebook group. But some of the footage um, is is crazy. There's urchins without, like, just urchin masses of spines from dead urchins. There's kelp forests that have been wiped clean. Anything deep than about five meters is in pretty good condition. But it's um it's pretty scary to see all those fish um, flying through just dead areas. Um, but that's the Abyss Project. So um, if you go onto their Facebook group, Facebook page, and just uh, have a look at their videos, share it, because it's something, especially with our current COVID-19 outbreak, uh, a lot of the other news that's kind of important is being forgotten and um, not reported as much, which is fair enough. But, um, yeah, it's important to, like, keep up on what else is happening um, out there. True. Um, thanks for that. So we'll post a link to that Facebook page. We'll share that Facebook page on our Out of the Blue Facebook page as well. Um, so you can follow along and have a look at that and take a break from COVID news as well. Um, on COVID-19, um, we also have to announce that unfortunately um, 3CR will be closed from Monday the 23rd of March until at least um, Wednesday the 15th of April um, so we'll be there'll be a lot of pre-recorded shows on past shows um, uh, a few different things song music programming so regular programming as much as possible will remain um, a lot of the shows though will be pre-recorded um, and you can read more about that and precautions our station are taking on 3cr.org.au. Um, so if you have yeah, any concerns or questions, please contact the station. Um, um, and in the meantime, keep your dial tuned. That We're, we're still on air. <laughs> um, yeah. So we are just about at the end of our program for today. Um, Sally is in next with Out of the Pan. Um, and, yeah, stay tuned. Download our podcasts. We're still around. Um, You've been listening to Out of the Blue on 855 AM 3CR Community Radio. Have a great Sunday, everybody.